Hello, and welcome to episode 25 of the Horn Notes podcast. Um, this is being recorded at the end of February 2018, and we've adopted a new format with the Horn Notes podcast. We'll have a couple guests coming up here, and follow us on iTunes. You know, these are now not video podcasts. These are podcast podcasts, which you can find online any place that you listen to podcasts. Um, our first guest today, we're going to have a segment with Derek Wright of Houghton Horns, and we're going to talk about what some of the new products were seen at uh, TMEA 2018. Our second segment will be with Warren Greff, who was former second horn of the San Diego Symphony. He was here at ASU, and, and we had a conversation about some tips about musicality and about accuracy, which I think you'll want to listen for. And finally, to close, we have a brief tip segment where we'll be talking about dropping the jaw. So let's get started. So I've got with me now uh, Derek Wright of Houghton Horns, and you were just at TMEA this this past weekend. Yes, yes, I was. It was really busy, really, really busy. But <laughs> you know, I'm sure. Now I've I've heard that TM. I mean, I've never been to TMEA, and I know it's like huge. So, like, how does TMEA compare to say NAM or that uh, event that's in Chicago? Well, TMEA is much bigger than the Midwest Clinic. The Midwest Clinic is a large and major gathering, but TMEA has more people, more exhibits. It's it's just a bigger thing. But of course, TMEA is focused on Texas, while Midwest Clinic is nationwide. So at TMEA, it, mm-hmm. it's all about the Texas All-State Band, which is extremely competitive. If you're in band in Texas, you know what it is and you know how big a deal it is. It's also focused on the Texas University bands and high school bands that get invited to perform. So TMEA is all about Texas. Mm. But since the Texas band programs are so large and it's a huge portion of the nation's uh, of the nation's bands in general, it is a very large and very big thing that attracts educators from across the country. Yeah. Well, and also there's a lot of displays, obviously, as well with uh, products. So our our idea here is to talk about some of the new products you saw. Um, Overall, like what, how many horns could you have seen if you'd went to TMEA? Uh, Well, you would have seen dozens. Every major manufacturer was there. Yamaha, Con Selmer, everybody. Uh, there, it is focused on music education. So while we had a few right. high-end, pro-level horns at our booth, in general, this was about horns that would be marketed towards serious high school students or those who are in college. So it's mainly focused on the. 7,000 and under range as far as horns are concerned. So it's not a place to go hmm. try, you know, the new custom horn that's, you know, the new $10,000 custom horn that's out there. Your best bet for that is still to go to an IHS regional or international workshop. Right. 
But uh, you did mention one kind of high-end. We were talking before the show. You mentioned one kind of high-end product that I did want to come to because I hadn't even heard of it. Uh, And you said that there was a new version of this out. So it's this BAM case, B-A-M case, which I I had not heard of them, but I guess they're huge in the world outside of French horn. They're mainly huge in the the string world. Uh, Violinists, violists, cellists are all very familiar with BAM. And BAM is a very big, major company with branches all across the world. Its headquarters are in France. All their cases use uh, high-density foam on the inside that mold to uh, whatever instrument is placed in there. And they are made of ABS plastic, but they're really good at it. the ABS that they use does not flex and is extremely protective, and it comes in many different finishes. There's a soft touch finish. There is a partially leather finish. There is a smooth, um, a smooth finish. So it comes in lots of different options, and that's not just for their new horn case. That's for all of the cases that they release. Their new horn case, if you're familiar with the Cardo case, it holds the horn in a very similar manner, but it has a smaller Mm. footprint, and it's a bit more rigid and a lot more luxurious feeling. Hmm. Interesting. So you had, you'd meant, just before the show, I checked, they have have them on the website. We were looking at that. Uh, So go to BAM, uh, search for the BAM music case. And it's the wind cases. You said originally it was only available in a size for an Alexander 103, but the, the new version is a universal case. So how does that work? Well, yes, if you look on BAM's website right now, as of February 21st, 2018, the cases they list on their website all still say molded for Alexander 103. But they do have a new case out that is a universal case that utilizes removable pads to fit everything from the largest rap horns like a Hans Hoyer G10 all the way down to smaller rap horns like a Con 8D. This way it's usable by almost anyone. Uh, And the cases are generally very nice, but they are also very high-end. So... Depending right. on the finish, you're looking at a price tag anywhere from nine hundred to eleven hundred dollars. So, yeah, wow! You could buy a you could buy a good used horn for that. <laughs> it seems like so, but but that's a cool thing though, because there's definitely a need for. There's always people, you know, big investment in an instrument. Right. You want to have right. a and good the thing case. I would emphasize uh-huh. about this case is that it's very protective. Uh, in my opinion, it would be more protective. Because of the rigidity of the ABS plastic that they use and the type of foam that they use, it would be a lot more protective than, like, say, a Marcus Bona case. Uh, and if you're going to spend eleven, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars on a horn, which for a professional is about what you spend on a horn these days, you know, a one thousand dollar case for that is not unreasonable, in my opinion. Although there are no, no, that's lots of good options for cases in the horn world. 
Yes, definitely. There's there's a lot of stuff, but that's the one that's the new sort of the newest of the new ones that, and I hadn't even heard of it, so that's like a, a new thing. Um, turning the corner a little bit, you mentioned about horns, and there's lots of horns at the event, and you had mentioned, and uh, I know I'd seen that there's a new uh, sort of like a student priced horn that you you are bringing out through Houghton Horns. What what is that? So yeah, so we have our new line of horns that we have been working on for the last two years. Uh, they're named Varus, V-E-R-U-S. And there are two models that we released. One model is the Model 5 and the 5G, which is the Model 5 in gold brass. This horn is, it's, we did not design this horn. This was an existing this was an existing model from a company that we found, but we did work with them to improve the horn significantly and really modify it for the American market. The advantage of this horn is that it comes with a great case, it's a screw bell horn, and it plays really well at a reasonable price. Currently that will sell for $32.50. So that is a horn that a high schooler or someone of that level who just does not have the money to get into the higher end horns. Uh, that is something that they can afford and they can, uh, they can get into. Uh, the horn we're uh, really so excited about is our Varus Model 7. And this one was designed from the ground up by Houghton Horns. So this was a horn we we started the project by building the horn. We built the horn in our shop. Um, you know, we made we made the wrap. Even though it's a guy wrapped horn, we made the um, the ergonomics of the wrap our own. The tapers, the lead pipe. This was all um, this was all a Houghton Horns project, and we did it. We designed it to really be a custom horn. So it utilizes a lot of the build qualities of a custom horn, such as uh, long solder joints, um, you know, one-piece branches, and such that you don't find on other horns in the four to six thousand dollar price range. These are things you find in horns that are more in the ten thousand dollar range. Once we built the horn we found a company that would make it for us. So this was not, we took a horn from a company and then modified it. We made the horn and then we found the company that we felt confident that could manufacture it consistently and do it well. So that is the Varus Model 7. We're also trying lots of new things with this horn. Like it comes with a high quality mouthpiece of a size that you get to choose at purchase or on our website. Yeah, it's normally generally known in the horn community that you don't use the mouthpiece that comes with a horn. You just don't. Yeah, but, I've, I've said that to a lot of people. Seems like a surprise to people out there too sometimes, especially mm -hmm. band directors, but, but they're very generic mouthpieces mm -hmm. and they'll cause more problems than they're worth sometimes. Right, so, so we're trying to show Yes, you get to choose a your your high quality mouthpiece with this horn, 
And then you also get, we're including a Marcus Bona MBSD with it as well. So you get a high quality case and your choice of color. Mm -hmm. So this, so this is all about, cool. you know, you get to choose the color case, you get to choose the size of mouthpiece. So it's truly a complete package. Great. So the mouthpiece I'm assuming is, is uh, one of your Houghton line mouthpieces then, or is it, cause I know you had another new product, which was the one piece mm -hmm. uh, mouthpieces. Is that what would go with this Correct. horn or the, well, the this other one, horn? It comes with uh, a various mouthpiece branded the same way. The various mouthpieces are actually the rebirth of our old Houghton Horns One Piece line. Our Houghton Horns One Piece mm -hmm. line was discontinued a couple of years ago um, due to supply issues. But, but you still, yes, have, we still the have the two, two piece, piece line. Though. The two piece line is yeah. not going anywhere. I want to make that clear to right. you know, so, so nobody panics right. out there. The two piece ones, two -piece are, still ones are still available. But the two piece ones cost close to $200. So the various line of mouthpieces, it's based on the Houghton H1 mouthpiece, so the Houghton H1 cup and the Houghton H1 rim, but it's in a silver-plated brass one-piece version, and it's only going to sell mm -hmm. for $89, only, and it's still expensive compared to, like, a Houghton MC, but for a professional-level mouthpiece, it's much better than anything two-piece mouthpiece you would find out there right because you really need to, i mean i'm sure you're going to stay on top of quality control and stuff too because that's like a big deal thousands of an inch mm -hmm. matter and it's great i'm actually not uh, just to mention to people listening i'm actually playing on an h1 right now mm -hmm. so it's a i will probably like yeah. these and the various mouthpieces uh, so, they're, so they're being good. made by peter pickett in kentucky uh very well known for his for his trumpet mouthpieces uh, on CNC machines, so they are being made to a very high standard. That's great. That's great. Well, so to, to kind of wrap up what was new at, at uh, TMEA, there was one thing. I saw this on Facebook, and, and I was kind of curious about it. So you had, like, I know at the booth you had drawings for kazoos. So so what's the story on the horn uh, the kazoos? Horn kazoo. Uh, one of our... Uh, music suppliers released a new a new product and it's a kazoo in the shape of a french horn and really that's all it is it's a kazoo in the shape of a french horn but it's a great novelty gift you know people love it uh it make for a great stocking stuffer or you know just to give that french horn player in your life uh, a kazoo they're they're ten dollars yeah. a piece and they've been wildly popular. Mm. So, so for ten dollars, is it made of plastic, metal? What's what's it look like? Other than it looks like a French horn. It's, I mean, it the, it's made of metal, except for of course the kazoo mm. portion because kazoos are not made of metal generally. But yeah, it's right. Yeah, it's it's this metal looks like a yellow brass French horn, but it, it's a kazoo. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty nice kazoo, actually, all things considered, because it's not like plastic and stuff like that. So, well, cool. Well, thank you for talking to us about a few of the new things at TMEA, and, and we'll hope to have you back again right, soon. Sounds great. Okay, our guest for this portion of the Horn Notes podcast is Warren Greff. 
He was second horn for 36 years in the San Diego Symphony, currently adjunct professor of horn at California State University Fullerton and is instructor of horn at the University of San Diego. And he's currently on a Southwest tour, and we just had him here at Arizona State and had to give a master class. And there was one point in particular I thought would be a good little little point to maybe bring out to, to listeners. We've talked about how music is a recipe. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people who they are sort of slaves to like how a notation looks. And if there's a, this, this, and this, they're going to play it that way. But but music is is a recipe and there's a lot of angles to that. So I'd like to first uh, bring Warren into this. So, so you talked about this with a number of students and it was really very interesting, I thought an interesting point. So explain a little more about music as a recipe. I think this came from an observation that I've had over the years that people will be glued to what's the printed page, what's on their stand. And they look at it and they think that that's the music. And so I think it's important to always honor the composer and honor what they wrote, what their intentions were, what they had in mind when they wrote what they wrote. Uh, One of the examples I give is that a composer has at their disposal all the choices that there are, and they chose particularly these specific notes, these specific rhythms, these specific dynamics. And the question is why? Why did they choose these over anything else? And then what can we do to make it sound like what their intention is? So looking at that, we sometimes think, okay, here's the page of music, and we have to pay attention to these details. But really, that is not the music. The music comes from our imagination. And the printed page is like a recipe. If you have a friend who makes just the most incredible coffee cake, and you love to go over there in the morning and and taste their coffee cake, it doesn't taste like anybody else's. It's just really unique and very special. And even if other people follow the same recipe, this particular coffee cake is the best you've ever had. And what is that? Well, they follow the directions, but they might also just put a little something or a little this or a little that and just kind of tweak it a little bit. And that comes from where? That comes from their imagination also. So when we play music, we have to think of the composer, where they lived, when they lived, what their life was like, what inspired them, what is it that made them write this thing and what did they have in mind and so we look at the notes we look at the dynamics we look at the articulations we look at the phrasing and then we imagine what could this sound like what might it sound like and then sometimes we just try things out if it's if we play it this way what does that sound like well that was a bad idea let's not do that again or we try this and then oh that's in the right direction that is making it And to me, it's like we don't take the recipe and eat the recipe. What we do is we follow the recipe, and then what we enjoy is what comes out of the oven. Yeah, and so you also brought in another kind of related point, too, is like uh, you said something where you started with like uh, you're fixing things, but you only had a a hammer, a screwdriver, and a wrench or something, and and then you could fix things with that. But tell us more about that little, little angle on things. I always imagine that horn players need to have this toolbox. And in that toolbox, they could have only three tools. They could have a wrench and a hammer and a pair of pliers or a screwdriver or something. And you can do stuff with that, but it's going to be very limited. And if our technique is only that, if we only think one color, if we only think of one articulation, if we only think of one sound, then we're pretty limited in our scope of music. Everything's going to sound about the same. And I just don't like that. One of my favorite uh, examples, I won't tell the piece or, or the orchestra playing it but there's a spot where the horns are ferocious they're just playing three f's and it's amazingly ferocious and then after immediately that 
The next sound is pianissimo. And they don't just play fortissimo and pianissimo. They play ferociously and then just unworldly. And so it's not just a matter of loud, soft. It's this kind of sound and then that kind of sound. And every recording and every performance I've ever heard since then has left me a little bit kind of disappointed and cold. So if we have wrenches, we need to have wrenches of so many different sizes, from really large to really small. If, you know, if we have other tools, we have to have a variety of all those tools, not just one size fits all. And our playing has to reflect that same kind of thing. And we have to develop our skills to be able to use each of those items, each of those tools. We wouldn't go to a mechanic and say, okay, my, my car's making this noise, and the mechanic puts it up on the rack, and he says, oh, yeah, I see the problem. And he picks up a tool, and he looks at it kind of in a confused way and says, well, let's see, I used this once. I, I think it goes up here. I think, let's see, do I do this? I think we would right away want to take our car down and take it to a different mechanic. We have to be able to pick up that tool and use it and know how to use it immediately. Yeah, and just a couple other uh, uh, final points that, that stuck in my mind a little bit. You, talk, I think you said a little bit about this earlier, but music starts in your imagination, or, or that's kind of the you know the, that's where it's a recipe, but it's your imagination is combined with that recipe. Uh, and then there was a final thing: as the last person playing, you talked about how each note is a frequency, and you mentioned about driveways. Tell us the, about the driveway concept. I love that. Um, we we don't. When we're driving home after work or after school, we don't drive to our street and then look up and down the street and go, where is my house today? We know exactly where it is, and we drive right to it. And the other example I often give is if we walk up to a keyboard, a piano keyboard, we don't look at it and wonder, where did they put middle C this time? It's always in the same place. Uh, same with our driveways. And so to me, because notes are physics, it's not just art, it's physics. We can rely on physics that every note is always going to be in the same place because that's the principle. It's always this assigned frequency and it never changes. We can learn those frequencies. We can learn what they feel like and we consistently go to those driveways every single time. And it's not just when we're practicing a beautiful solo or a beautiful etude. It's when we practice scales. It's when we practice arpeggios. We're learning those driveways and repeating them over and over and over again so that we consistently go exactly to that same driveway whenever we play whatever note we're considering. Yeah, great. So this is a part of your, as I mentioned, this is part of your tour. Just uh, for people listening, where else are you heading on this tour? This was your first stop at ASU. What's next? Tomorrow I am at Northern Arizona University, and then on Wednesday I am at University of Arizona, and then the rest of the week I'm over in Albuquerque um, playing a concert on Saturday night for Romancing the Horn series. Tom Hetty has a wonderful series over there, and he's invited me to come play there. Uh, Sunday I give a master class there, and then next Tuesday I do uh, some teaching and a master class at University of Colorado Boulder. Wow, sounds great. Okay, well, thank you for stopping in, and also thank you for talking to us here on the podcast as well, giving us a, a little insights into some good topics there. So thank you so much. It is my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And for our tip segment for this episode of the Horn Notes podcast, um, I'd like to talk about dropping the jaw. Now, this is a topic, if anyone has worked on your low range, people tell you, to drop your jaw and a lot of people think they're dropping their jaw but they're not actually dropping the jaw so a tip I picked up when I was studying with Mike Hatfield at Indiana University was this so take your hand 
out of your bell and put your thumb on your chin and then play down into the low range. Um, this is something I've added into a set. I've got a, a publication out called the Lowhorn Boot Camp, which I just put into a new edition, and I've added a little section that talks about this in there with an, a picture and illustration. And basically, your jaw should drop as you go down, just like everybody's telling you it should drop. If you look at the MRI videos, it definitely drops down and forward. Um, however, a lot of people, when they first try this with their thumb on their chin and they play down from, say, a G in the staff down an octave or octave and a half down to low C, they'll discover that they're not dropping their jaw at all. And that can be a big key to, to figuring out, like, oh, they're talking about dropping your jaw, dropping your jaw, not just thinking you're dropping your jaw, but not dropping your jaw. So that's the little tip segment of the day. It can be applied either as a student or as a teacher of students. And that's it. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Horn Notes podcast. Uh, be sure to check out uh, my publications at hornnotes.com. I've got a group of new Kindle editions of publications relating to the horn out that you should check out. And be watching for more episodes of the Horn Notes podcast. <laughs>